welcome into a very special Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are so excited about today's episode and today's guest. We are so honored to be having the singer, the performer, the legendary tenor, Mark Milhofer, joining us today. He's part of the New York City Opera's presentation of Enrico Caruso, his songs. It's playing Wednesday, February 21st at 7.30 p.m. at Carnegie Hall. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting carnegiehall.org. We're very, very excited to have Mark here with us to talk more about this incredible show and to dive more into all the things that Mark has been a part of. So with that, let's welcome on our guest, Mark Milhofer. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello, hello. It is very exciting to be here. I've never had such a huge introduction. <laughs> we try our best. No, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so honored to have you here. You, I mean, you're such a great operatic tenor. This is amazing. And you are now here in New York performing at Carnegie Hall, this great show, Enrique Caruso, his songs. I'm very excited to learn more about this. So why don't we start by having you Tell us a little bit about this show. Sure. Well, Enrico Caruso was the world's greatest tenor. He was born 1873, died 1921, and is really responsible for the whole recording industry that we have today because he made the, some of the very first records and they were such a big hit. He was such a big hit. He was basically Taylor Swift of his day, and he sold millions of records. He was the first person to sell a million records. And so he is the icon of all tenors, if not all opera singers, and he is my hero. And this getting to the title, his songs, is all because I discovered that he wrote some songs, not many, just nine, which for him was more of a sort of hobby or a way of expressing his emotions and things like that and because he was such a big star he inspired his colleagues his friends his accompanists and his many female admirers to write songs for him and I've discovered 90 songs that were written for him and so I have recorded them well, not all of them because that was a very big recording I recorded 39 of the 90 the nine songs are written by him I recorded them in his house in just outside Florence in Italy. And then I have this recital program, which is a, a selection of them. And there are songs you know, and there are many songs you've never heard, and they're all fabulous. He says modestly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. How fascinating. So I mean, you mentioned that Enrique Caruso, the greatest tenor of all time, your hero. I'm just curious, what was the inspiration or what, what was the idea that set things off to put this together? Ah, well, lockdown, COVID, pandemic, stuck at home. I was doing live stream recitals from my front room, just into a camera with, with a pianist and a little bubble. And I needed a, a subject a program and I was going through my music and I discovered I had some old songs written by Caruso which I'd completely forgotten about and I thought oh I wonder if there are any more and so I started researching I was writing to the Caruso Museum I wrote 
they recommended getting in touch with the Peabody Institute in Baltimore, where his wife left his sort of trunk of music shortly before her death, 1955. And they have his collections. So I wrote to them and they said, yeah, great. We've got it all, but we're shut because uh, of COVID. But we got there eventually and they sent me photocopies of all this music. And then when COVID was over, I could get into the British Library and start flying through all those, plowing through all the books they have there. And I discovered all nine songs, which I now published. So anyone can buy a copy of Caruso's songs and sing them themselves. And I found all these songs and I picked a few and made a recital program. And it just grew and grew and grew and grew. That is wonderful. So as we get ready for this Carnegie Hall performance that is just about three weeks away from from this time of recording, what has it been like developing this concert? Oh, it's, I mean, it's just been a, a labor of love for me. I have enjoyed every minute of just digging, searching. I went to Caruso's house, which is now a museum in his name, and the caretaker at the time, wonderful chap, Carmine, uh, brought out a dusty old box of, of music from the storeroom, and he sat there with me while I photographed every single page on my phone, 350 pages. We took them all out. <laughs> and, and I would sort of tell him stories about songs if I recognized them and, and get all excited if I didn't know them and saw that there was a, a dedication to Caruso on them because they fitted my, 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 my project. And yeah, we photographed all this lot. God, it took, took forever. And I got to perform in Caruso's house. I got to record in Caruso's house. I sung in the, I've taken the recital program to the town where Caruso was conceived, which is just north of Naples. He was born in Naples, but his parents met in a different town. And so their claim to fame, why they have a sort of little Caruso festival, is that something happened there and Caruso uh, was conceived. <laughs> I've sung it in the hotel in Sorrento, near south of Naples, where Caruso spent the last couple of months of his life shortly before dying in Naples itself. And it's just brought me to so many wonderful places. I love Italy. Uh, I love singing there, working there, eating there. It's just, it just it's just gorgeous, all of it. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> that, that, that is so wonderful i love the level of detail that you 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 know about this amazing artist and that you're celebrating about this amazing artist this is so wonderful that is yeah, like, I mean, oh. this, this is this is his 150th birthday year i know well it was well it is kind of if you count the fact that he was born on february 25th last year it's still it's still kind of the year. <laughs> just, we still just fall within it. it. We haven't ticked over to the 151st. Nope, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, all of this is a great lead in to my next question, which is, is there a message or thought you hope audiences take away from your program? Really, it's just that there's a little bit more that we don't know about Caruso. I mean, people just didn't know that he wrote songs and they really are quite good some of them are really good and one of them he wrote specifically to raise money for the first world war he wrote a songs that he would sing at huge outdoor rallies and encourage people to buy u.s bonds 
Liberty Bonds and helped raise millions for the for the fighting in uh, against Germany at the time because he was although an Italian he was incredibly patriotic to America he spent a lot of time singing at the Metropolitan touring America with the Metropolitan Opera he loved America he, uh, he although he had a home in Italy he only spent about maybe one month a year there at all and the rest of it he was either in America or on tour he took over I'm sorry, I'm going to sort of digress all the time because there's so much about him that I love. He lived in the Vanderbilt Hotel. No, the Knickerbocker Hotel first. And rather than buy a house, he took over a whole floor and had it remodeled. <laughs> and you just think, why don't you just buy a house? Who, who lives in the whole floor of a hotel and then has them change the walls and all sorts of things? But he said, no, Italy's my home and, and I, I live in, it, in, in America. So... He didn't want to sort of buy and say, I'm now an American. He, but he but he loved America. He was, you know, it was it was everything to him. But I digressed again. So the, what, what am I bringing? I want people to, to know that Caruso was, I mean, a lot of people do know that he was incredibly generous, not just by writing a song for the war effort, but also in the way he treated everybody around him. He was just... All reports just say that he was the nicest man ever. He would he would buy gold coins and give them to all the backstage crew at uh, the Metropolitan at Christmas. If he has, a, there's a famous story from his wife that he saw a, a shivering man on a, on a street corner, and so he took off his fur coat and gave it to him. And he would draw caricatures of of everybody around him and just give them give them away. And now they're worth hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Uh, he he was just lovely. I love him. <laughs> that is an uh, that's amazing. I knew none of this about him, so that is incredible. So my final question for this first part of the interview is: Who do you hope have access to this lovely evening of song and information? Well, everybody, because I mean, the tickets are remarkably cheap <laughs> I don't want to say that I'm cheap but when the when when the ticket tickets went on sale I went wow you can't you can't get to see a concert in England for those prices so um it's something like 35 dollars for a full price or 40 or plus charges and goodness knows what there's always charges and taxes and everything but but and there's reduced prices for students of course and uh, I think it's pretty affordable the cost of a couple of martinis. Well, for the second part of our interview, we'd love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more. So I'd like to switch lanes a bit and pull the curtain back for them a bit. And I want to start by asking you, what or who inspires you? What playwrights or composers or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites? And of course, since... We have been talking opera this show. I, I definitely want to include opera in that as well. Oh, it's really hard. I mean, inspiration, the singers, obviously Caruso, but I came to Caruso 
through Mario Lanza. I mean, it's it's almost a cliche to say that I became a singer because of Mario Lanza, because that's what Carreras and Domingo said. But it's it's true. I had I'd not heard of Caruso until I'd seen the great Caruso film. And then, of course, I said, well, who's this Caruso guy? And then I went, ah, and the curtain was lifted. But before Lanza, my earliest memory was of seeing Plasto Domingo in on TV in black and white, singing an aria from Puccini's Fanciulla del West, Ella mi creda, and I must have been seven or something like that. And I was blown away by, by this aria, by this singing. And of course, I didn't know at the time that this aria and the whole opera was written for Caruso. That's just by the by, that's a coincidence. But I went, I, I went out and I bought the sheet music, the score of that aria, which I still have. I think it cost me seven pence or something, which is like nine cents or something. <laughs> and I still have that. And I used to sing it as a, as a little boy. Uh, having not a clue what I was thinking about, of course, but just loving this music. And I've sung since the age of seven, never stopped. I had fabulous teachers that have that have always helped me and pushed me forwards and inspire me. And so you go into the question of what operas and what productions have, have inspired me. I often get asked, what is my favourite opera? But it's usually the one I'm doing at the time because there is, well, because because they're all fab, you know. I started out singing a, a big run of, a, of, of Mozart's Cosi Fan Tutte, which is probably the, the opera I've done more than anything else and is just one of the most beautiful pieces of work in, in the history of the universe. And now I'm singing in the production of Bernstein's Candide here in Vienna, and it's just extraordinary. You know, I've never sung anything like it. Bernstein is everywhere at the moment, but Candide is a is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous opera, operetta, musical mashup. Other shows that have inspired me, well, just anything. I mean, I love I love Les Mis, Les Miserables. I, I always, if I wasn't an opera singer, I would just want to go and sing sing that Jean Valjean. That's the kind of thing. Oh, Jesus Christ Superstar, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. Oh my God, have you seen the original movie? because the singing in that is epic. I've never seen, I mean, I've seen it on stage. I I would grovel at the feet of the singers who do Judas and Jesus because the way they do that is phenomenal. Belting, the belting technique that musical theatre guys do, I I take my hat off every time. And as a recent one, The great, Greatest Showman, the wonderful aria that the opera singer, I think it's Jenny Lind, the Swedish, yeah. God, I, I mean, again, I wish I could sing that, but it's it's the range is so big that you just can't. There's one guy on YouTube, I can't remember his name, but he's a musical theatre guy, and he can do it, and it is the most mind blowing interpretation because this guy is singing stratospheric notes in full chest voice, and it's just I can't remember. I don't know his name. Maybe you do, but it's amazing. He's an American guy. Find him. <laughs> well, I am um, curious to know, what is your favorite part about working in the opera and in the arts? Uh, well, there are various things. I mean, obviously, I get to not be me. I can 
become all these different characters and sing in so many different countries and cities and I meet new people all the time I it's it's a very weird job in that respect that you spend six eight weeks intensely with a small group of people and then you might not see any of them again ever or some of them not for a few years it's quite bizarre but when you when you do meet them you just pick up where you left off you're still friends and it just doesn't matter that you haven't kept in touch you know you, you finish a show and say oh we'll, we will be friends on facebook forever and you go yeah 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 we'll talk every day yeah and that sort of fizzles out and then you meet up five years later and it's just like yay here we go let's have a martini <laughs> yes absolutely i love that that the the previous guests I was speaking with talked about how theater is family. And I think that you nailed it exactly on that. The fact that we can leave a conversation and pick it up right where it left off five years later, as if nothing had, had happened in that gap. You know what I mean? That's absolutely yeah. it. Absolutely. That's something I feel like is only existent in the arts. So wonderful yeah. answer. Yeah. Well, we have now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests. And of course, that is, what is your favorite theater memory? Well, I've I've been through the one the, the the when I was seven years old, you know, seeing Domingo on TV, that has never left me. Theater memory. You know, I came to New York many years ago, and I saw. I'm going to get the title wrong now because it didn't. I don't think it even came to England. It was a drunken. Maybe you can help me. This is, must be 10, 15 years ago. Musical. Was, do you remember anything called a drunken... Uh, no, or a, it wasn't debauched. I'm thinking she was drunk. She was drunk, drunk. Damsel. No, I don't know. I wish I could remember the name because it was it was a brilliant show. And then it just... And it didn't come to the UK. I love that. <laughs> but, but you see so many shows and and, and you just love them all. There's a weird show I saw recently in London called Operation Mincemeat, which won't have got to... Has that got come to New York already? No, no. no, but we've had them on our show, actually. Ah, it's bonkers. You think, how on earth can you do uh, an entire musical and comedy about a World War II mission to find a dead body, dress him up as an RAF officer, put secret fake documents on him, drop him in the sea so that he arrives on shore. I mean, at a certain point, so that the Germans will think that we are doing, we're, we're going to invade somewhere else. I mean, and how do you turn that to a musical? But they do, and it's 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 extraordinary. And again, it's about four people, five people in the whole cast doing even more costume changes and running around. That is hard work. I mean, I, it, yeah, and they're doing that eight, nine times a week. That's the other thing about musicals. When you see a matinee and you realise that these people who have just killed themselves on stage and just impressed you so much are going to have a couple of hours off and then do it again and impress the, the audience, the, in the evening audience. There are so many shows. Dreamgirls I saw in London. Wow. God, you know. But then you watch that on TV with Jennifer Hudson. <gasps> she can sing. That's again, you know. There are people like that that just inspire you to want to, to want to get better. 
I love those memories. Some wonderful shows. That they're really that is fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. <laughs> Are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Well, they're not in America. I have. I go back to my sort of normal repertoire. After this, I am doing a staged Bach St. John Passion in Dijon in France and Salzburg, Austria. Then I go to back to Zurich to do more early music. I'm doing Monteverdi's Orfeo. And then I'm doing Monteverdi's Ulysses in Aix-en-Provence in the south of France. Uh, and apparently not drinking martinis, but drinking a lot of rosé wine. I, I normally sing a lot. I, I do sing a lot of Baroque music and some contemporary, like Candide. So the Caruso is my my personal. I don't know what we call a project, but it's my my personal bit of fun. It's what because I don't I don't sing Puccini. I don't really have the voice for Puccini, but I can sing. These songs are written around the same time as Puccini, and they have the same passion as a Puccini aria. They have all the high notes that Puccini's arias are, are famous for. So I get to sing the equivalent, but in song form, of of a Puccini, of, of a Puccini or a Verdi opera. And this, to me, is my... I don't know what the word is, really. I mean, it's it's thrilling for me. It's it's It gives me an opportunity to be passionate in public. <laughs> I love to be passionate in public because with a lot of baroque music you can't you can't really do that uh, it's a lot more restrained and you don't get to sort of sit on a high note for as long as you possibly can until you run out of breath and then the audience just goes crazy which is which is such a good feeling you know you sing a song and you and you, and, and everyone just goes crazy at the end because it's it's such a they're so cool. I miss I miss the fact that I never got to sing in La Boheme or Rigoletto or, or stuff like that. And this, my great age, is an opportunity to, to do something similar. That is so wonderful to hear. So exciting. I love that. It sounds like you have a lot of projects coming down the pipeline that we would love to keep tabs on. And a great lead into my final question which is if our listeners would like more information about your show, Enrique Caruso, his songs, or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? Well, the easiest thing is to go to my extremely old-fashioned, out-of-date website, which is markmilhofer.com. So M-A-R-K-M-I-L-H-O-F-E-R.com. There you will be able to contact me via the contact me page, whatever it is. There is a video on the home page of me recording one of the songs for my album. And there is a link on the home page to download the booklet I wrote to accompany the album. The recording company got a bit, bit distressed because I wrote, what do you call not the program notes, but booklet notes to go with the CD. It's a double CD about all these composers that I dug up and they said, it's 150 pages of CD booklet page. I mean, it's in Italian and English with all the translations and texts and all the various languages. But they said, we can't, we can't put it with the, with the CDs because it would cost too much money to publish it. 
So it's a free download. And I just wish people would know about it because if you're on Spotify or YouTube, you don't know it's there. So if you want information, it's it's all free, but you have to go to my website to find it. It's a little old fashioned, I'm afraid, but all, so far, pretty much all of the events page, that's up to date. So please don't don't comment on how old it looks. It's, you know, if you want, everything is on the internet. So rather than just look at my website, just, I mean, every single song from the album is on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's on every, I'm sure it's on every platform. Wonderful. Well, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and speak with us today. This has been so wonderful. It's been such an honor to speak with you and to learn more about this incredible concert you have coming and about everything else that you've got going on, especially all this wonderful wealth of knowledge about Enrique Caruso. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you, really. Thank you so much. My guest today has been the singer, performer, and incredible legendary tenor, Mark Milhofer, who is performing his upcoming concert being presented by New York City Opera, Enrico Caruso, his songs. It's happening Wednesday, February 21st at 7.30 p.m. at Carnegie Hall, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting carnegiehall.org. Mark has got several other productions he's involved in as well coming up. And if you'd like to know more about that or see more of his work and his recordings, head over to his website, markmilhofer.com. We're going to have all this information posted on our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But make sure you stay tuned to all the amazing things that Mark is up to. And more importantly, if you're here in the New York City area, mark your calendars for Wednesday, February 21st. 7.30 p.m. at Carnegie Hall. You are not going to want to miss Mark's show, Enrique Caruso, his songs. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.